Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, and in my life and experience as a husband, a father, a church planter, and a university professor, I've discovered that everyday ideas about human flourishing have significant consequences. Here at the Pinocchio Project, our mission is to examine these everyday ideas and determine if they actually deliver on their promises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pinocchio Project. Uh, we are broadcasting to you from the beautiful North Shore of Lake Travis in Lago Vista, Texas. And alongside, as always, is my excellent sound engineer, Jeff Olson. And we are in what I would call part two of our All Things Worldview segment that will take us probably another six or seven weeks. And what we want to do is we want to build a grid. We want to build a framework by which we evaluate ideas that may promise human flourishing, but may have their nose growing, hence the Pinocchio Project. What we're doing is we're preparing ourselves to be able to evaluate the content of, of ideas and promises and then determine and discern whether or not they lead to human flourishing or they lead to human degrading. And in our last installment, we defined a worldview. And we said basically that, and this is what you must remember, uh, if nothing else about a worldview, a worldview is a set of lenses through which you see and understand the world. And, and the set of lenses is built by your answers to the foundational questions of life. Uh, we propose questions that everyone everywhere is asking all the time, whether or not we realize that we're asking them. Uh, they may be consistent answers. They may be inconsistent. They may be true or somewhat true or entirely false, but we are all asking and answering these questions and, and the answers to those questions, what build the lenses through which we see and understand the world. And ultimately these answers form our understanding of life and flourishing. Uh, so if you're an active constructor of worldview, uh, you, you know what ideas are being thrown at you. You know what ideas are being suggested to you about human flourishing and you vet them intentionally, and you continually subject your answers to scrutiny and adjustment. Or you just kind of go with the flow and get carried downstream with who has the loudest voice and the strongest agenda and who has the most rhetorical skill, who speaks most eloquently. And I would offer that the outcome of a passively built worldview uh, using a set of lenses that you don't know how they got there is unstable and chaotic. And that's kind of where we ended our last installment. And so what I want to do in this next installment for a few minutes here is I want to help us to understand what are the questions that worldview answers. And we would offer that there are four basic questions or four basic categories that the existential philosophical uh, reasoning human being, uh, a higher category of, of creature, uh, you know, my, my chihuahua doesn't think about why it is he's here or if there's a God that put him here, if there is a creator. He doesn't think about his design and purpose. He doesn't wonder if there's life after death. Uh, he really just wants to do a few things like eat, drink, mate, and go to the bathroom and maybe have a good nap. 
Uh, and so we would say human beings, uh, because of our, our reasoning capacity, because we are philosophical and existential, we want to know the answers to these questions. And our, our proposition is that there are four basic categories or four basic questions that are essential to the construction of these worldview lenses, lenses, and they're common to everyone everywhere. So there's four basic connected categories of answers that are common to everyone everywhere, and we, we're asking and answering them whether we realize it or not. Now, that's a big proposition to process, and we'll continue to work through that. Uh, but I want to I offer them to you in the next few minutes, and you can start thinking about them on your own. Now, we would say the first worldview question, the first uh, existential philosophical reasoning question that we ask is from origins. Like, how did this begin? Who am I? How did I get here? How did all this get here? Why am I here? And so in, in the origins question uh, are all kinds of sub-questions like, am, if I'm created, does that mean a God created me? And what about this God? Does, does he exist? If I'm created, how is it that he chose to form me? Uh, if I'm not created, uh, what is it that put me together? And that's what we would call sort of a Darwinian view. Is It's an evolutionary view. Am I just a set of, of, of random processes and chemical firings over billions of years uh, in order to get me into this undirected state I am? So the, the first question that must be answered in building this framework, these lenses of biblical, I mean, of worldview in general, is origins. Who am I? How did I get here? How did this get here? Why am I here? And I want to—I just want to camp here for a second and look at some more of the sub-questions because I know you don't maybe realize it yet, but hopefully as we move through uh, explanation and development and illustration of, of this worldview construct, that you'll see that how you answer the origins question will inform to a very large degree how you answer every other question downstream. And so some of these nuances in the origin question have to do with purpose. Uh, am I here with a specific purpose? It has to do with design as it relates to purpose. If I have a purpose, have I been designed to achieve that purpose? So I, I can't say this strongly enough. How you answer this origins question, why am I here? Is there purpose? Is there design? How did this all get here? is critical for building your entire worldview as we move to the other basic essential questions that will be answered. So the fundamental question here in the origins question is this, if you summarized it, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? And if you pause here just for a second, uh, you'll understand that there are arguments throughout our culture, uh, throughout our political processes, throughout our legislative processes, throughout our judicial processes that, that wrestle with this question of what does it mean to be human? And that question is answered in a variety of ways. And what, what I want to offer is, is that all these policy questions that have to do with what does it mean to be human are downstream, meaning they are secondary to how the culture at large is answering the questions. What are, what are the popular answers? And what are the motivations for those popular answers of what does it mean to be human? And so if you, if you understand uh, where the answer is coming from and what the agenda is in answering the question, what does it mean to be human, that'll give you a better framework for your own evaluation. 
And you see how important it is to answer this question well, this very first question of origin summarized in, what does it mean to be human? Now, as we move from that essential question, uh, the origin question, it will inform the second question, the second essential question for building biblical, I'm sorry, I keep saying biblical, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm intentionally holding that back. The second essential question for building every worldview, for building every set of lenses. Origins is the first. The second is problems. And problems basically ask, what in the is wrong with this place? Uh, and we all don't really have to go too far. I mean, I, I can just look right outside the window. Uh, I, I can look right around the corner. I can, I can pull up my newsfeed, and I see that something is wrong here. And a, a, a worldview essential is that I wrestle with that question and come up with an answer that is consistent and helpful and allows me to move towards flourishing even in the midst of problems. And so the fundamental, what I would call dis-ease of this, this problems question the fundamental dis-ease is that I know that it's not supposed to be this way. Uh, there, there's something in my conscience. There's something in the fabric at the very dynamic of who I am that knows the way it is now is not the way it's supposed to be. And so we have origins. What does it mean to be human? And then we have problems. It's not supposed to be this way. And that moves us logically into the third essential worldview question, the third question and the answer that helps build our lenses of worldview, and that is the solution question. If, if, I, if I have an understanding of what the problem is, then I must develop a solution. A solution asks, what must be done to solve or fix or remedy what's wrong with the world? If it's it's not supposed to be this way. There's something desperately out of out of sorts. There's something desperately out of sync. Then the solutions questions ask the solution question asks what needs to be done to right the wrongs. And there's a fundamental yearning here. And this may sound a little strange, uh, but but I want to offer it anyway. There, there's a fundamental yearning here in this consideration of solutions. And it's a question not just of remedy, but of what it means to be saved from what's wrong with the world. So the fundamental yearning here is how can I be saved? How can we be saved from what's wrong? And this is, this is, this is an important, deep, uh, unwavering yearning that must be satisfied. And there's all kinds of answers to this problem that come at you too. Uh, some would argue that we, we, we can be saved by government. Uh, some say we can be saved by education. Some say we can be saved by, by continuing to experience as much pleasure as is available to us. And so every worldview must ask and answer the question. And if you choose some of those other options of what it means to be uh, appropriating the remedy or what does it mean to be saved, then you will understand in pretty short order if, if the state or the government is saving you or education is righting the wrong or if a, if a, a yearning and then a, a pursuit and an acquisition of pleasure is actually solving the problem problem that you've identified. And so origins, problems, solutions. And then the fourth question is destinations. And that's the question of, is this all going somewhere? 
is there a is there a maturing is there is there a, is there a narrative is there a story that has some kind of endpoint of of uh, I don't want to say happily ever after necessarily uh, but 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 is is there a wrapping up as all this comes to a conclusion and the fundamental focal point here is what's to become of me what's to become of us what's to become of all this and a sub question that must be considered is as all that is coming about do i have a role do i have responsibility when i understand what the solution is uh, do i have moral responsibility to help initiate and execute the solution until this all wraps up and so these are the four questions that every worldview must ask and answer a question of origins what does it mean to be human the question of problems it's not supposed to be this way the question of solution, how can we be saved? And then the question of destinations, where is this all going? And do I have a, do I have a role to play as it's going in that direction? So we are going to camp right here for our next several installments. And we are going to, to look at each of these questions individually and expand upon the possible answers. And we're going to talk about what it means to look at all these questions from the perspective of a variety of worldviews, a secular, uh, maybe Eastern religion, uh, maybe a Darwinian materialist understanding of asking and answering these questions. And then we're going to talk about what it means to build a biblical worldview and ask and answer these questions through a biblical framework. And before we go, I want to offer you the three tests of any worldview. So in, the, in our future installments, we are going to be comparing and contrasting different worldviews and how they ask and answer these questions. Every worldview must be put through three tests in order to be proven functional. If it, if it fails at any one of these tests, it is not a functional worldview. Uh, what a functional worldview does is it integrates all the answers to all these four questions and, the, and it remains solid, stable. It remains coherent. Uh, it aligns with reality. And ultimately, the, the, the most important test is it remains operationally adequate. That means that, that if, when it's lived out, when, when I live according to the tenets of my own worldview, I actually experience flourishing. So there, there's, there's three tests that must come together and combine as a unified whole for a worldview to be functional. And the first is the test of internal coherence. And that means that a functional worldview is non-contradicting. It does not contradict itself. And I think you might be surprised at, at how many worldviews that promise flourishing as they ask and answer these questions end up contradicting themselves. Uh, the second test is the test of external correspondence. A functional worldview must obviously align with reality. Like, is this actually solid? Is it significant? Is it stable with how things really are? And then the third is the test, again, of operational adequacy. A functional worldview, when lived out, delivers flourishing. A non-functional worldview, though it promises flourishing when lives out, it brings degrading. And I'll close with the, uh, the wisdom of that famous theologian slash outlaw, Josie Wales, when it comes to living according to a non-functional worldview. Josie Wales, the outlaw, looking into the eyes of the bounty hunter that wants to gun him down, and Josie knows that Josie is much faster, and he knows what the outcome will be. 
and he looks at the man who is dead set on drawing on him, and he says of that man's worldview, dying ain't much of a living, boy. Dying ain't much of a living. Until next time, for the Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman, Jeff Olson. Y'all take care. Thanks so much for listening. If this podcast has value for you, we have new episodes dropping each Monday and Friday. Please follow or subscribe, share, and give us a five-star review. And if you have an everyday idea you would like to submit for us to examine, just hit the links in the show notes below. And remember, ideas have consequences. <laughs>